0: Well, it is that time again, and it is Easter weekend, but that doesn't mean anything stops here in the soccer world. Welcome on in to Soccer Central News. My name is Tyler Bates. That is Kyle D'Antoni on that side. We're missing Mason Benson tonight, but don't worry, he will be back here pretty soon. No worries about that. But again, to Mr. Kyle D'Antoni, I say, how are you, good sir? It is always good to talk with you, and I hope that Easter has been treating you well, and we can't. There's no rest for the weary in the soccer world, even on an Easter holiday weekend. Is there, my good friend?
1: Oh, absolutely. It was a crazy weekend, <laughs> which we will talk about. <laughs> it was a dreadful weekend oh. for all of all of our clubs.
0: Yeah, uh, just uh, yeah. All three of us. We'll make mention them there, but all three of our clubs just dreadful weekend for us there. But again, though, it's good to have regular leagues back. Competition is got heating up and we still got a lot of competition leagues that are heating up as we get along. As we're into April now, we only got about another this month, to two more months. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be the offseason and transfer window. But more on that maybe later on down the road. But Kyle's going to take us in and lead us off tonight as we head over to the seas, to England, to the EPL. What do we got going on over there, Kyle?
1: It was an absolute dreadful weekend. If you're,
0: if you're in
1: any club named... Well, let's be honest. If it's any club named Arsenal, Leicester,
0: uh, who who else, or Chelsea, <laughs> else is... or what Chelsea, it out there? Chelsea. Since Mason's not yeah. here to punt them down. It's Chelsea belongs on that list too. So, uh,
1: it, it, it was an absolute terrible weekend. It kind of makes you think. You know, uh, in later on we have a new segment called Either or. Mm-hmm. Would you rather? <laughs> would you rather be Arsenal and leave and lose three nil? to a out of form Liverpool or would you be or would you rather be uh what was it West Brom and beat Chelsea 5 to 2 and lose to the bottom tier uh sorry just sorry the last team in the entire division mm. it kind of makes you wonder it was an absolute terrible weekend shout out to Leeds and and Man City great games right there it was an absolute terrible weekend if you're an Arsenal fan or a Chelsea fan Chelsea cannot catch k- catch a break as of this weekend. They had a second yellow card, uh given uh, obviously a red card given to Tiago Silva. I thought the red card, the second yellow, was a little soft personally. He mm-hmm. did go in a little wild, but I did think it was a little I think it was a little soft. Uh I did not see any challenges uh in between the first yellow and the second yellow. So I don't know if he was already given a warning after his first yellow. Uh, you know, it could be wrong, but props to props to West Brom. Let's let's give a shout out to West Brom cuz they 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 had some absolute fantastic goals. A mm-hmm, uh, couple did. of uh couple of uh solo goals and then a couple of team goals. And like and you kind of made and the, the the joke was kind of played around on, on our on our website saying that, you know, West Brom was looking like classic, what was it, classic Real Madrid?
0: No, it looked uh, like Norwich City out there almost. Yeah. I mean, from the kits they, itself, I thought that was Norwich uh, City for one, but yeah, classic but they, Real Madrid sitting out there with their amazing they, goals. Yeah, they were just dribbling around. I think
1: two, if not three of the goals were outside the 18. Um, yeah. just Just beautiful, beautiful goals and team goals. Individual effort um it was a great goal uh key note there Kristen Pulisic. it was real weird even though he did get a goal kind of a odd mid uh halftime substitution where he was warming up and just said i don't want to i can't play anymore and me was subbed out by 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 the manager uh it was really interesting uh it turns out i believe it's a hamstring issue that mm-hmm. we will that i'm sure mason bisson can talk about later uh that's a very interesting issue and again uh you know he's having problems and he will again uh have limited playing time there at Chelsea uh great game between burley and southampton uh spurs and newcastle spurs drop a point oh, I, sorry come out come out even with a point uh and man united uh secure uh the two slot on the table uh it was it was a wild weekend um And you know what? You kind of wonder where some of the teams playing towards European ball, right? But Mm -hmm. if you're teams like Arsenal, Arsenal played a very strong team. uh, And they just got smacked by Liverpool. It's not even a joke. They got disowned by liverpool like, arsenal demons show up to play they're like hey we want to play Nah, i didn't bring my cleats with me it's okay you can you can have the ball they got hammered it, it, it's stupid how terrible they played oh uh, it's it it's just dreadful and you know what uh shout out to liverpool because they had a they had some great great team goals diogo jota
0: um, is coming yeah, along. Jota. yeah Jota is yeah, coming along John, amazingly for Liverpool. I yeah,
1: and, and he had a great international break as well. So, um, and you know what? You, you think with a lot of the teams having the qualifiers for the African Cup of Nations, a lot of the teams uh, uh, um, uh, you uh, the uh, think they rest some of their uh, foreign players. Uh, but like Arsenal and a lot of other teams played a very strong team and just played dreadful. Yeah, it, uh, that's it's just the word for it. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> cool. um, City City are currently sitting 14 points above United, uh, 74 and 60. Leicester City are 56, and Chelsea rounds up the top four. However, Spurs and Liverpool and West Ham are all sitting at 49 points. The bottom top four – sorry, if I clear my words up – that last four spots – in the top four of the table it's going to get really heated in probably the next let's say three four games until the final stretch happens in the last i believe there's what 10 12 games left uh, give or take, give or take. Uh, yeah so i think those next three four games will really tell who's got the legs uh to push out the remainder of the season
0: and you also mean mention there too i mean you have to remember west ham is also two games in hand to manchester city's 31 i did see something come out there that did say that liverpool although did get a win over arsenal because manchester city's win this weekend liverpool are officially ma- can are officially mathematically yeah. can no longer defend their title that they won last season so there will be a new champion for the EPL this season. I, I'm I'm blown away at the stats that I look at there. When you say this, when you, when you say you didn't show up to play, you did not show up to play. 16 sh- shots to three shots for Liverpool. Seven shots on target to, now, credit, maybe only three shots, but at least you made a count. Two shots were on target for Arsenal, but nothing attributed to a goal. I don't really know how to explain this. I mean, I didn't watch the match itself, but I saw the stats enough. And I'm just looking at this just like, no, you didn't show up to play. <laughs> it was, it was stupid. That's all it is. I got nothing else to say. It was <laughs> stupid. Well, and again, I, and I, and I go back to the Chelsea West Brom match. I mean, in of itself, I could understand probably the factor that Thiago had already picked up a yellow card as, as early as he did in that match. I mean, you think about this two yellow cards in less than 30 minutes and he's sent off already. So, Either something was said before the match that that the match official said, I'm not going to let this happen. You're already on a yellow. I I didn't see anything in between the first one and the second yellow to maybe say he had a warning or whatever. Is it maybe perhaps a little bit harsh? I could probably understand and say yes for me. But I also, by the same token, can understand now that the official wanted to keep something in hand. But as a result with that. Chelsea drops their first match. I mean, look, they had been undefeated under Thomas Tuchel before he came when he came in. Hadn't lost a game with Tuchel under underboard. With this loss, maybe now the ship kind of sails a little bit. And Christian Pulisic's thing scares me to no end. Not just necessarily on the Chelsea scale of things, but on the United States men's national team status of things. Look, it is clear he needs to be a hundred percent healthy. When he is, he is Captain America. He is one of the best players on that roster. And if he's not 100% healthy, that does not bode well for fans here for the USA. And that does not clear minds up as well either for World Cup qualification. So we need him to be healthy. So hopefully things look a little bit better. And Jose Mourinho being Jose Mourinho today. Again, dropping points when you shouldn't be dropping points against Newcastle. And just making ridiculous comments today, explaining games, explaining matches itself. But you already mentioned it. Yes, the top four is made in there. But the top four from fourth place all the way, you could even throw Arsenal in there. Arsenal are only nine points out of fourth place. So nine points separates four through ten. That is a hellacious battle that I look at right now when you're looking at Champions League, the final spot, and also for Europa League. So I can't count out any of those teams, four through 10, that are going to make a deep and serious run to get that last spot for the Champions League and also get that spot for Europa League. So it's a wild way. We're coming down the stretch for the last couple of months, but the EPL looks like a lot of fun. But I think one thing is certain in EPL, and that is going to be Manchester City, by all accounts, unless an absolute disaster of a drop happens, Manchester City probably run away with this title now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's pretty much said and done. No one wants to nobody wants to admit it, but uh the cup the cup is uh called for. Uh they have the claim to it. The other side of it is is that how many cups can Man City win? Mm. I think they're estimated to getting four. because uh, they're still in the FA Cup. I think they're still in the League Cup, they're still in uh Champions League. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously they 're still in the first division uh e p l uh and they 'll wish they'll win uh, <laughs> i mean if you, if you were man city if you got anything less than two i i I saw this on it 's a good conversation i saw this on n b c sports if you if you were man city and you got anything less than two two or less, would you
0: be unhappy? I would wonder if you have to be, because I mean, given the standard of form, I mean, I can't see any reason why this team cannot bound and at least contend for a treble at this point right now. Look, you are clearly going to be one of the favorites, even if Bayern Munich is the defending champion. You are the highest odds, according to the uh, according to the odds makers, that you're going to be the ones winning the Champions League. And also, you have a 14 point cushion on your on your in city rival in Manchester United. It's going to take a major collapse by you to lose that. And then you already mentioned there too, and for the FA Cup. So. This can happen. I mean, I I would think anything, honestly, less than at minimum, minimum winning the treble, winning at least the domestic cup and probably winning the Champions League. I could understand maybe if Champions League would be one thing, but it has to be remained to be seen for Manchester City because in recent years, you have seen them drop games in Champions League play when they shouldn't. Case in point, Lyon last year and then go back a couple of years against Tottenham. They dropped games, dropped a game, and were eliminated in the quarterfinals from there. So we just don't necessarily know. But I would think with the gap of the lead that they have in the EPO right now, and given who's left in other domestic cup play, I would have to think that anything less than at least a double trophy for Pep Guardiola would be seen as a disappointment for Manchester City fans.
1: Yeah, I, I um, mean yeah you you would think that they would definitely have obviously they have the league they have a pretty good showing uh in the other uh tournaments um the only one that they're probably I would assume that they would be have trouble in is Champions League and that's why let's be honest that's why they brought in the new manager mm-hmm. uh it was, it was for the Champions League um I I I do eventually think they will just because of competition in other tournaments uh, resting players and rotation. I do think eventually they will fall. However, I think they'll definitely put up a fight.
0: Oh, they will. They absolutely will. They will take from there. So anything else from there, from the EPL side of things? That's pretty much it. It's a bunch of crap. Well, I'll tell you what, it ain't going to be much better <laughs> heading over to Germany right now because it's my turn to be on a tirade. That is Borussia Dortmund as we are coming out of the domestic league break, uh, international break, heading into bleak play. So I'll just start right then and there. Everybody knows here that I am a supporter of Borussia Dortmund, and I was up a wall yet again because Borussia Dortmund, in a huge, critical, critical match, Borussia Dortmund were sitting, going into this match, fifth place, sitting four points outside of fourth place, the last spot for the Champions League. Look, the title is out of range. We are not winning the title of Bundesliga play. So getting the Champions League is absolutely crucial and beneficial for Borussia Dortmund. And they were going up against Eintracht Frankfurt over the weekend. Eintracht Frankfurt were the ones sitting in fourth place ahead of Borussia Dortmund. So how does this game play out? Well, it goes like this. We start out as an own goal by Nico Schultz for Dortmund. In the 11th minute, well, so that all that makes me feel just great heading off to my soccer matches that I was refing for that day, and then Matt Hummels does get one equalizer, gets the equalizer at 1-1 to go 1-1 at the break, and then Andre Silva for Eintracht Frankfurt gets the last goal. It ends up being two to one. So not only does Erling Haaland not score for Bruce Dortmund, it's another loss. It's now seven points behind fourth place, which is absolutely just very it is devastating for Borussia Dortmund status because Eintracht Frankfurt now can pretty much I I don't I don't want to necessarily say that the race is over and it's done but the attitude mindset of Matt Hummels and other post-game and company from the players tells me that they're already giving up and saying well it's probably out of hands and that is exactly what I don't want to see out of this team look Bruce Dortmund are going to be coming in. They're going to be having Marco Rosa coming from Mönchengladbach next season. The last thing I want this team to be doing is just giving up. Seven points behind. You can't be dropping these games. Now, I understand and I get it. Yes, Bruce Dortmund have dropped 10 matches this season. They sit in fifth place, lose, and have lost 10 matches this season. That's almost unheard of in domestic league play. Usually, if you lose 10 matches, you're sitting somewhere in mid-table. And maybe by all accounts, Dortmund probably belongs in mid-table because the way that they're playing. Really, the only thing that is hanging this team on and keeping them in any type of competition is Erling Haaland and Jadon Sancho and company. And this has been an absolute disappointment by by Dortmund's standards this season, fans alike. So... Yes, I was absolutely devastated. I was absolutely upset and by this point, I'm almost to say I'm not going to blame Holland and I'm not, certainly not going to blame Sancho if they're both le- if they both lead this season because I can't, I can't say I would I would be in the same boat as those two right now. so I don't know what else to say about that, Kyle, do you have anything to say regarding on that match because I know that Mason and you were kind of watching that itself or at least watching my tirades no, itself. Right. No, to be honest, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, to
1: be honest, what is keeping Holland or Sancho uh, at Dortmund, at the yellow wall? What's keeping them there? Because they're both, let's let's be honest, pretty pretty underpaid compared to what their quality is and what other teams are offering them. And, you know, it's just looking at the table, they're fifth right now. The only thing besides their actual wins – is their goal differential? That's separating them from currently the fifth mm-hmm. to ninth. Yeah, that's that. That's it, and uh and that's their goal differential. So it's not like they're not scoring. It's just they're just not.
0: We don't defend. Guess, Let me not put not it winning. this way: we don't. De- <laughs> we're yeah. not defending well, and I'm sorry. This will be a whole segment down the road for me because there's a plenty of guys down this list for Dortmund that I need to go through that say they don't need to be here anymore. They don't need to be here anymore. They certainly never should have been brought in into this system. Now, I guess uh, people who have been coming after me and have been talking with me with fellow Dortmund fans have been saying, well, we're still in competition for Europa League. That is that is European competition. I don't care. That's not Champions League. Champions League is where this is at for Borussia Dortmund. Dortmund is considered the team right there with Bayern Munich in this domestic league. And the fact of the matter is, on paper going into this season, Dortmund, to me, by all accounts, had just as much a talented, if not maybe this time around, maybe slightly talented more team than Bayern Munich. And it's certainly not showing this season. So, I'm, I, I'm not going to get too much more. It's upsetting by Dortmund standards, and it's frustrating to see that players are accepting this fact that maybe perhaps we're not going to make Champions League because that's all the more reason now that the top players and then who we wouldn't be able to hang on to will sell off for major amounts of money. But what good does that do for me? Because then we start at grade then we start at section one, start at the bottom again. No, we'll do it. We we'll start at the bottom again, but we start at A and move on again. But let me make mentions of some other matches too that are significant itself. Bayern without Lewandowski. Lewandowski has been out for, will be out for the month. And he is potentially probably going to miss both legs of the Champions League too. Well, no problem. Inter in Goretzka and company and Goretzka gets the long goal as Bayern Munich does extend their lead ahead of RB Leipzig 1-0 over the weekend. So as you look at the standings, as you mentioned it itself, seven points clear now for Bayern Munich ahead of RB Leipzig. With Wolfsburg and Eintracht Frankfurt, are your team sitting there? Dortmund does have the Europa League spot currently, and then Europa League qualification actually would go to bayer Leverkusen. It doesn't necessarily show up, but they would qualify for a playoff for Europa League. But the bottom line is this. It's very disappointing. It's upsetting to me. And now at this point, I am almost almost sorely ready to say I don't expect to see Sancho, and I don't expect to see Holland back at Dortmund this season.
1: So let me ask you this. Do you? I mean, obviously, there's no chance of winning the no. title. Are they, you think that they're fighting just for the Europa League for next year? They, or do you think they're trying to still going to try to get a trophy this year? Well, the only trophy, talk- so, I mean, they get they, 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 they can't drop too many points, like, they can only drop. Uh, let's look, maybe what I, I think they're.
0: It can't drop maybe more than five comfortably because they're sitting even with Leverkusen. are sitting with Leverkusen. I can tell you this much is this. Uh, you're going to have, you're gonna have the, the upcoming games coming up for Dortmund. is this. You have Manchester City in Champions League for quarterfinal action. You have Stuttgart coming in the next weekend. The team that you lost to at home 5-1 to one and ultimately got rid of Lucien Favre. That cost him his job. But then you're going to have Wolfs. We still have to play Wolfsburg. We still have to play Leipzig, and we still have to play Leverkusen. Leverkusen is the final match domestic league-wise for us. Now, as far as cup-wise goes, yes, we're in Champions League play against Manchester City, which is going to take a miracle of miracle runs for us to get through, given the side of the bracket that we're in. We've already discussed that. But they are in contention for the DFB-Pokal. We are playing against holstein Kyle. In the semifinals of the DFB Pokal, so I would say that is one that would probably be the one saving grace. But to me, Kyle, I mean, it would be great to win the DFB Pokal, but that's not going to soften my heart. I want this team to be there. I realistically feel I don't. I never expected Sancho to be back after this season, but I realistically feel that Holland would benefit for one more full season at Dortmund under the reins of Marco Rosa coming in because I mentioned it Marco Rosa did coach Holland what at the RB Salzburg system in Austria so these two know each other very well and it would be really disheartening to me if Holland is sold off for an enormous amount of money before Marco Rosa could even install his system and maybe his type of players into that system it's a wait-and-see game at the moment. It is a wait-and-see game at the moment, but I mentioned there again, you mentioned a hot race as far as it goes. It's still pretty much a hot race as far as fourth through sixth. And it actually, I mean, even fourth through ninth right now because, I mean, Dortmund's fighting for it. Leverkusen's fighting for it. Little Union mm-hmm. Berlin is even in play with BFB Stuttgart and Borussia Mönchengladbach is in this. So there is a hot, tight race going on right now with this. So we'll have to see what happens as we go with the German league play, but especially itself. One thing's for certain. I pretty much know who my star player are one, two players for Dortmund. The rest of them, I hide my eyes and hope and pray that they play either well or just not disappoint me. (laughs) It's one of those things. It's one of those. things. We
1: just have to to wait and see quick shout out to the French league and uh, league one, uh, or league one, uh, I just looked at this. Leo, mm-hmm. top of the table, over PSG, uh, three points clear. Yeah. Looks yeah. like uh, it's starting to heat up over there. And not even that. You got Monaco and Lyon, not too far behind, uh, with Ian, with Lens and uh, Marseille rounding out the top six. Uh, We'll have to keep our eye on that. Things are heating up. Things are heating
0: up in League One and also even in La Liga because Atletico Madrid dropped points against, I believe it was Villarreal or Valencia over the weekend. So all of a sudden, Barcelona tomorrow is going to have a match, and if Barcelona wins, Barcelona and, I believe, Atletico Madrid, or not Atletico Madrid, Real Madrid are sitting at least one, two points behind Atletico Madrid. So what they had is a double-digit lead heading into the beginning of the year. Now, Atletico Madrid have Real Madrid and Barcelona breathing down their necks for domestic league play in La Liga. So, there are a lot of hot races, believe it or not, heading into these final couple of months.
1: <laughs> every league except for our league. Yeah,
0: every league <laughs> except for ours, right? Uh, it's always set in stone, set and uh, dusted, and done. And I, I I don't know about that. So, Kyle, where do we transition to on this? Because I've had enough of this. <laughs>
1: So, we're, we're gonna go to a new segment. Uh, well, not really a new segment, but we're gonna go to uh, something that you and me were talking about uh, through text, and it's about fans versus hmm. no fans. Yeah, now you know, I could see it both ways. Uh, me as a coach. Uh, coaching for six years, and you know, not having a lot of people in the stadium, in the stadium, and then having a lot of people in the stadium. I, I, I get both ways. Now watching classic, you know, EPL games, and with to have like a lot of, you know, the full stadium, you know, forty, fifty thousand people, and then you got, you know, it's empty now because it used to they used to allow, you know, one to two to three thousand people depending on where you look at it, located, located mm-hmm. in the country. Or based upon your tier uh and now they're saying nah nobody so and here's why i like it one cuz you actually hear communication between players right you hear the coaches you know or the managers giving commands and say hey fix this hey you're crap do this better <laughs> you know you know so you you hear that between players too you like you know uh you know the whole uh nhl did the whole mic'd up series if you haven't checked that out Highly recommend checking out the Miked Up series. Uh, you know, viewer discretion advised maybe a little bit because obviously these are professional athletes, and these are professional athletes, and this is you know a competitive environment. You got a lot of alphas, alpha-like personalities. There's a lot of poking and fun. However, it's all because of competition, um, and you know what? And, and I and I've been there as a, as a player and a coach right uh there's there's times when i would <laughs> when I would say something to another player just to get on his nerves just to, just to just to piss him off and you know running behind or you know as a, as a midfielder uh open up the field and because I know because now I'm in that other player's head, right, but here's another thing about that we have no fans, and fans add the atmosphere to the game mm-hmm. so you would think, and I think this is where you're going to come in because I know you. Is that, do you think, and I'm sure the answer is yes, that a lot of teams outside of Manchester City and prior to Bayern uh, are suffering because they don't have the atmosphere of their stadium? Hence, you know, you take, you know, uh, Old Trafford or uh, uh, Liverpool, right? You know, uh, you know it's, it's, they don't have the same atmosphere. So do you think those teams are suffering? And I would think your answer is yes.
0: They have to be suffering. I don't have to go much further. Yeah, absolutely, they You can't yeah. look. Look at my team. We have the largest. We have the largest standing terrace in Germany. That is 29,000 people. The Yellow Wall, and they haven't been there this season. The last time we actually had more than three thousand fans in a stadium this season was earlier early, back in late of 2020, when Germany was still allowing up to, I think we actually got close to 10,000 fans in a match. And it was amazing to hear the fans again. And now I see empty seats and empty, um, and TIFO has been put up all over the stadium. It's not the same in the Westfalenstadion for Dortmund. And Dortmund needs the yellow wall, but it's not just them. It is so weird to see Anfield empty. You don't think Anfield would be making much of a difference right now in terms of the play for Liverpool, for Goodison Park, the way that Everton have been playing right now. Even Arsenal, even Arsenal's case for the Emirates itself well, would be making a difference.
1: Even, I mean, you look at teams. Let's look at the, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Mason Benson Welcome aboard! the show. Clap, clap, aboard, clap. Thanks so for joining nice, us, man. Come on. So... So, so, fans versus no fans. We got teams like West Ham, right, that are pli- Probably they're playing through their studs, yes, right. And you, you don't think that West Ham would want their fans to back them up? You you can make an argument that West Ham might actually be performing better. I mean, I mean, maybe worse. I don't know. Let's I, I don't know because I love having the fans. I love having the atmosphere of the fans. However, that adds so much more pressure, uh, maybe anxiety towards players, but a lot of players thrive on that. It's the energy, it's the passion of the game. That's why it's called the beautiful game, because it encompasses so much. You don't think that like, teams like West Ham and Villa would embrace that? Of course they would. How about you, man? It's sitting, sitting, si- sitting where they're sitting in the table. Of oh, yes, yeah, absolutely.
0: Would. What do you say on this, Mason? Because I know Stanford Bridge, the way that the stands still sit on the field itself, I can't think that, that Chelsea would actually be making a better push than what they are right now. Or maybe they don't even have that big of a slump that they had. Maybe they push on forward and maybe we're having yeah, a different conversation. My
2: biggest thing, I think that it always helps the, rel- the newly promoted teams, you know, because a lot of these times, these Full ons, Sheffields, yes. Wolves, sometimes leads. You know these teams don't have a skill advantage; they're at a disadvantage when you play Arsenal, Chelsea, City, United. But those fans, when those fans get behind you, it doesn't matter what club you are. If they're against you, it'll rattle you. It'll definitely, it's it's definitely a twelfth man per se. And
1: what? So yeah,
2: no, that's I go, mean for Chelsea, yeah, go ahead and it's your very nice because it just adds to the atmosphere. Nothing is better than Stanford on a midnight you know, on a night game in the Champions League. That's when great players, legends are created in moments like that.
1: So so your so your argument is teams like you know, Leeds, West Ham, Villa would perform better or worse at say a Chelsea, Spurs Arsenal, Wolves, better, a lot better. So you, you so you, look at, you think they'd perform better with the fans at an away, cool. at an away venue? Oh, they would. At an away venue, they'd they'd be a lot worse. Right. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah.
2: And then at home, they would be they would be able to get more points off of those top
1: teams. So, but if they have look, to for, the for the sake of argument, and this is a good topic, and we can do a whole nother show on this. Do you think West Ham, Villa, and you know Leeds, and some of these other clubs, and I'm just saying those two clubs because those are the clubs that you typically don't see in the top ten, fifteen, right, uh, give or take. Do you think that West Ham, for example, is performing better because they don't have fans?
0: Hmm.
1: I mean, that's I guess, that's mm. a fair that's a fair
2: argument. That that is. I'd have to look at some more numbers just to see. You know, and because this is this. If you were to take this year, this is the best West Ham have done like in 15 years yeah, easily. without any fans in the stands. So you'd look at the numbers this year and say, well, they would do better without fans. But then that kind of goes against what you're thinking that you want your supporters there. Right. But also on the flip side, it was two or three, you know, three or four years ago that West Ham, their fans turned against them and, you know, would raid the, would run, would, would rush the field and mm-hmm. take corner flags and stuff at the same time. So I guess this is one of those double-edged swords where if you're a mid-table club and you're good, that your fans help you. But I guess in this, you know, look at it the same way. You're a low to mid-table club and you're bad. You know, you're going to get booed on yeah. your own. No, it is.
0: I mean, I things. see that there. I mean, I mentioned, we mentioned there, West Ham a few years ago, they moved away from one of their classic, I mean, their classic stadium that they were in and move into Olympic Stadium. That was not met well with a lot of the West Ham fans. But I mentioned there, you already mentioned, mid-table, lower-table teams. I mentioned one team in the Bundesliga, and I mentioned Union Berlin. Union Berlin is literally spent years and years in the second and third divisions, and they promoted up a couple of years ago into the Bundesliga. Guys, they have a 12 to 15,000 seat stadium. Only 5,000 of those seats are seated. Everything else is standing terrace, and that is made by the fans of Union Berlin. The fans of Union Berlin, if, you, if there's an amazing documentary out there by Copa of 90 Stories, where they were doing a documentary on the rivalry between Union Berlin and Hertha BSC. Um, regarding the stadium itself, they didn't have enough funds. The club itself didn't have enough fun- funds itself to make the renovations and anything itself so what do the fans do the fans get out there they do the construction work they make the terraces they make the seats those are the kind of things those are the teams that need the fans the most i could tell you these lower teams right now those are the ones that are missing right. it and need the atmosphere back itself biggest
1: ah uh, interesting see oh man this is, man i wish we have to, we, we have to do to. a whole another shot because more. it be, that that that's so interesting. And and it's beyond it's now that's just European ball. Let's look at let's look at it at another yeah. another side of it. MLS. MLS, all right, let's be fair. MLS is owned by millionaires and billionaires and big ass companies. True. Sure. Right. English and European teams are owned by those companies. However, a lot of the mid table, lower table, and probably the second division the teams are owned by who? The city and the people. The fans. Exactly. And that's where the contrast is because hey you want fans into the stadium right i'm just using my my example as west ham you want your fans in the stadium because uh because that's that's promotion you know they they're they're buying food and beer and t-shirts and jerseys great however they're performing great with no one there so would you really want to tank that on the mls side of it mls is playing like in like and like you know, college regulation to football fields, soccer fields. So do, do you – I mean, it, it's, a, it's a completely different side of the coin. Mm, you, would you would
0: think that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, in the MLS, it,
1: it's a real
2: stark difference in the, in the teams that have a supporters group that are made up from fans versus kind of like the, the – yeah. the quote-unquote season ticket holders. Right. Because you look at teams like, you know, Seattle and Portland – and LAFC, you know, those guys have supporter groups that are built, you know, into the community, so they have massive turnouts. But then you look at other teams, I mean, I hate to brag on, like, you know, the Dynamo, for example, but they really don't have much of a supporters group culture, you know, for one reason or another.
1: Used to, and then it used to have a huge, because they had the, uh, what was the name of it, Uh, I would have to remember, Look back at it, but like but when they won the back-to-back cups and uh, the title, uh, and they used to. But like I've I, I've gone on so many different rants on the Dynamo and different clubs about their fall, and there's reasons for that. And I guarantee mm-hmm. you, that's one of them. No.
2: Yeah. So in MLS, no. you definitely see a a broader spectrum of like really great fans, really you know really helping out teams, you know to. On the other side of the spectrum, you see more versus you know, in European teams, you know it's a lot more closer. The only difference is if your fans are with you or if your fans are
0: against you. True statement. So like I, mean, I said, we could I mean, go, we could go a whole, we gotta go another direction. But again, I recommend, I'll recommend to you two both on YouTube, the Copa 90 stories, the rivalry between Union Berlin and Hertha Berlin. Fascinating documentary on that rivalry, but it explains in details about the stadium Union Berlin built, literally by the fans.
1: Right. Fantastic so, I'll have to check Anyway, that.
0: but let's transfer.
1: Well, let us transition yeah, that to friends
0: fun. just a little bit now. We bring in kind of a new segment itself that was brought up. And I'm excited for this. It's kind of a little segment to go more. What we like to call this would you either or? And I thought we go we would go around a round table itself when we go about three questions. And this could be anything, anything soccer related, as long as it's soccer related. And none of us know the three questions i asked us specifically to say let's be (laughs) wild about this i mean it could be something similar but i mean just none of us bear in mind none of us know what the three questions are going to be none of us know we haven't discussed so i'm excited for it but i think for the sake of things because of that i think either because you joined in so late mason i want you to kick it off if you got your first question for either kyle or me yeah both of us however you want to do it i was gonna have at it
2: all right. Now about, I, got a, I got a good one. How about you? A, you ask yeah. the question for both so, of us. So, with your current club, okay. who would you rather Go. have? Would you rather have Zlatan Crap. in his prime, <laughs> or as your striker, or Ter Stegen as your keeper in his prime? Right now, right now, wherever your oh. clubs are at, which oh. one, which player would you want right now?
1: Easy. I'll go first. I'll go with Tristegan because Arsenal's defense can't can't hold can't, can't hold can't hold a feather to the wind. Arsenal's defense can't hold a feather to the wind without getting blown over. It's absolutely ridiculous. Tristegan I, I, all the way. I
0: I I, I think you're ask you're preaching to the choir on this, Mason. I mean, I think it's the same way, Tristegan for me. Because I mean, I, I I have one of the better attacks in football. I have no defense <laughs> to save up for. Hummels is nothing. Hummels is nothing right now. Akonji is a sell, shell of itself. We should never, never have sold Hakimi. <clears throat> never should have let him go to Inter Milan. I'm still, I'm still peeved about that. And I'm sorry, Berkey and Hits are not the answers for Dorman. So yes, Tristan. absolutely. Because for me,
2: you know, Chelsea is the exact opposite. Barring obviously yesterday's game. Like, I'd rotten Zlatan up top. You know, we just need someone to put, ball, to put the ball in the net. And no one, you know, Zlatan in his prime, phenomenal at that. You know, if we had Zlatan in his prime right now, Chelsea wins Champions League, no doubt. That's my that's, that's my fun question.
1: <laughs> okay, okay. the bold statement. Okay, I got you. All right. Hey, cool. That's a good start. That, that's a good start. I'm that's ready. impressive. All right, All right, you ready? I, I got, I got mine. Alright, you ready for it? Uh oh. Tyler Bates. Two all right, and then Mason, you're after. Russia mm. 2018 World Cup. Who would you rather have outside of the actual winner? Who would you rather have? Courtois for Belgium or Laura
0: <sighs> in France? I go with Courtois with I go with Courtois on this one. Uh because I mean going into the Russia 2018 I, I just I looked at that Belgian team up and down and I didn't think that anybody was going to be able to beat them. And I truly feel that they really beat themselves in in that semifinal matchup. I really truly believe because I, I it really looked like we were on the road Belgium to get to the title and to win that I, and I, I feel terrible for Courtois. Because outside of a couple of maybe hiccups here and there, I thought he had a tremendous tournament for Belgium. And he had a great supporting casting company to help him on his side defensively. And I wish Mounier would be playing like he did in 2018, what he's not doing right now at Dortmund itself. So but I go with Courtois in that situation. Yeah, it's hard not to go with
2: him because it seems like Lloris. Maurice... Has is more prone to make one of those really dumb goalie mistakes. You know, a bad clearance, a bad pass out of the back. Courtois, for as much as I don't like his personality, you know, he left a bad taste of mouth. He used to be at Chelsea and then snaked his way over to Real Madrid. But putting that bias aside, I still go with Courtois. I think he's still the better keeper. Even though Lloris did get to win the World Cup, I still would take Courtois over Lloris.
1: Yeah, interesting. Good stuff. Because both, let's be honest, both keepers absolutely played well, through their boots in the World Cup in 2018. Uh, no, no, not taking no. anything away from either either keeper. Good oh, stuff. It's Good up stuff. for me. Okay, Bates, so up.
0: to the both of you on this one, I kind of think I'm here. So, would you either own a share in a major club with perhaps as much as three, five, I don't know, 6%. I mean, let's liken to like LeBron James's three or 4% or undisclosed percentage-wise stake in Liverpool. Or do you would rather own a lower-level tier club? It could be second, third, whatever division. You fully 100% own that, or you make a, however proposition-wise, if you're outside of England or Germany, you have to make it for the fans, by the fans, and build it from the ground up. And you can either... Go with that, or if you've got a club in mind, maybe lower tier level, say it. If you know what club you would want to take over lower tier club level, say it, and why that said club, if you go that See,
2: way. this was easy for me. Whenever I play FIFA or football manager, I always pick the lower club. It's so much more fun and rewarding to, to take something from nothing. And specifically, I'd, I would pick Sunderland. Sunderland is this old, old, great mm. Premier League team from the 90s that right now, are chilling in in the in league League One in England, which is the third division in English football. Mm-hmm. I mean, they still have their sixty thousand seat stadium, you know, Stadium of Lights. How your the dreams? That's almost that's and the only thing. Second would be like what happened with Leeds with Bielsa. I mean, if you were to come in and mm-hmm. take Sunderland back up to the Premier League, you wouldn't have to buy a drink in that place for the rest of your life. Or your children or your grandchildren, I, I think that would—that's what I would do
1: personally. <laughs> uh, that's that's pretty that's pretty interesting. Uh, I would argue. Uh, let me think real quick. I, I'm going to say the, the exact same thing. Uh, I would rather have the lower lower tier club and build it back from the ground up. Like I agree uh, on FIFA, I do I do, do the same thing. Uh, I, it's 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 more fun, and plus you you are you're, you're a a hero to the people. I mean, it's if if you came in with you know some you know pocket full of change, you know, and you're like I want to take this club and this is what I want to do. I want to bring in these amount of players, and I want to restructure the the youth team. I want to this, this, and this, you know I, I think that'd be so much more fun than rather just buying into a club just and for see the and that 's where for me
0: i i 'm in the same boat of the situation now it's easier for me to pick clubs like you said in FIFA. We build from clubs up that 's a lot of fun. I almost go with the mindset of I want to build I want to take some team that's semi pro fourth tier fifth oh. I give the example of. I, I give. I will give you oh, the man. example, although it's not the greatest example. But they did it. It's exactly how they did it. They they took a team. RB Leipzig <laughs> started as a team that bought a team that was like at the fifth, sixth division level. So yeah, they did the right thing by buying a team. But the problem was is that there are so many loopholes on how RB Leipzig gets around the 50 plus one rule. Again, I'm not going to go into it here. That, that is a whole discussion that grinds gears of German fans, but I'm not taking a team from the sixth, fifth tier. And in six years later, I'm playing champions league football. There there's a problem with that, that, that takes longer. So I would rather take the challenge of a fifth tier, fourth tier, that's semi-pro or just at the lower level, club itself at the pro level take that team and say all right here's what we're going to be doing and you're noticing it too itself i mean maybe not lower league not lower tier club levels but lower league division 1 groups i mean i look looking at so many american billionaires and rich people that are right now they're buying clubs there's guys over in the italian serie a there's two guys two americans two guys own clubs in, in, in italy's top league right now and they're more the lower division teams at the division one level. So they're taking these clubs and they're trying to turn things around and start as far as stadium, as far as youth development goes, anything itself. So I like that mindset. I like to go that direction.
1: I mean, could you imagine this is my this is my last take and then we can move we can move on. But can you imagine taking someone like Fleetwood Town or Charlton or Blackpool? <laughs> back up to like at least the top 10 and well if anybody takes
0: if you if anybody were able to turn the blackburn rovers who have won a premier league title i might remind people too and you turn them back into a premier league level then absolutely but the 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 sunderland story like mason brings up oh the way that the how quick they fell all the way to the third division is just mind-boggling, but the fact that they still remain as big as they are, even at the third tier level, that is something that, yeah. If you brought that team back to Premier League, yeah, not one drink, <laughs> nothing will have to ever be bought by you for the rest of your life.
1: By the way, sorry, <laughs> this is my last. This is my last thing. <laughs> if you haven't watched, do I, I it, <laughs> uh It's absolutely fantastic. Give it, a, give it a watch. It, it's a great, it's a great, do great, it. great show. Kyle,
0: second question. Let's do it. Do
1: it. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, <laughs> I wrote down four more. So, uh, during a derby, <laughs> where would you rather be? Milan in the San Siro, or? The Estadio Armando. So for I, a book well, of, oh, yeah. Is I had a question, that any question about your question
2: Do I have to root for a team or am I just there for fun?
1: <laughs> no, no, well, you were there the simply as a fan and as a fan of the sport. That,
2: just for that environment. Nothing against the Italians, but something about fearing for my life while, while watching two soccer teams play just adds a different level of excitement knowing my life <laughs> could be on the line depending on which way this ball goes
0: <laughs> Am I, wrong? I, 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 no you're not wrong now my question would be would you rather be in the el monumento which i'll el monumento which is river plate's home stadium they play in the argentina national stadium or do you want to be in the la barbara la barbara which is bocas okay, bocas 100
2: percent. that one looks way cooler
0: yeah. So, yeah, so I would die.
1: No, really, I'm, yeah, li- I'm with you I, I agree. <laughs>
0: yes. I want to go to Boca for the for the specific reason. Well, that, Boca, not for, uh, like you mentioned. <laughs> I want to experience the hurricane. When coronavirus is over and we're all safe and everything, I'm going to be the idiot that is crazy enough to try and be in the fans to experience what is called the hurricane, which is literally three, 4,000 fans when a goal is scored for Boca, literally just a barrage, a tidal wave that goes up against to the wall. And this makes the stadium shake. And I'm not kidding. This, the stadium shakes because where the La Bombonera is built at, they literally had nowhere to go but up. This is a literally almost vertically up stadium, straight up, out of the ground. I, when things are shaking and things are rocking in that, that stadium is shaking. I, I just – there's nothing to me that even compares to anything else right now. That would be to me a bucket list is to experience a Boca Juniors Ripper Plate match in Boca Juniors home stadium.
1: So you would pick the Estadio Armando? Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, 100%.
1: 100%. 100%. <laughs> I, I, see, I would go to both, but me being a mm. guy in, uh the San Ciro is is home for me. Plus I grew up watching uh those great nineties, uh early two thousands Milan teams. So uh but uh, it's def- this, but Boca Jr.'s river plate derby
0: is definitely now I don't my want to take anything list. away from the San Ciro because San Ciro is absolutely historic. It is absolutely something that is known worldwide all around. Um and those derbies can get nuts too. I, I they they so, still if I recall right, pyrotechnics are still legal to be used in those stadiums. So,
1: right, right, absolutely. So I'll I'll, I'll add another one. So the stadium you picked or uh,
0: the Allianz. Hmm.
2: Yeah. Visually,
0: the Allianz yeah, is a it gorgeous, is. and stadium. this is and, and forget, forget Dortmund, forget Dortmund Byron matchups because that, that's completely, completely irrelevant. Yes, yeah. yeah. yep. there's nope. no bias in this situation. No, I'm biases. not going to take anything away yep. from the no situation. The Allianz Arena and Byron, where it sits at, out just outside of Munich, the setting itself. Uh, the way that they highlight the lights outside i mean that's absolutely if i have to go see a match and i don't care if it's a Dor- if it's a der Classicer match or anything else or an international match absolutely i want to go see that but i'd still pick boca before that one yeah i kind of disagree
2: honest. like the only reason you'd go to that boca home oh, stadium is okay. for a boca river game versus going to allianz you could go yeah. there to see a german national team play I, you could see any sort yes. of that one's just beautiful and just jaws dropping the floor, and that's kind of a more pretty, pretty experience. So I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, on the other side of the fence there.
0: And okay, well that's that's fair enough, fair enough. Okay, good stuff. I'm the next on the second one. Question. So speaking of stadiums, and we'll kind of stick onto the subject. We all know about Hillsboro. We've seen many documentaries and everything about it. We know that led to the whole council finding and everything providing for the all cedars, And that's why in England, uh, as far as EPL wise goes, it has to be an all Cedar stadium, but I bring it up to mind because this happens also sometimes in other, other leagues around the world that still allow what's called the standing terraces. And you see it in the, in, even in MLS, Orlando city has standing terraces. You see it in Minnesota, Austin, FC, DC, DC United have these standing terraces for fans. Um, and I know for Dortmund itself, when Dortmund is not playing Champions League matches or anything Euro- European competition-based matches, it's a standing terrace, and that's why you're able to fit nearly 30,000 fans into the yellow wall. But in European competitions, they have to have all-seaters in those games, so all some temporary seating gets put in there, and that reduces the fan base by about, I want to say, about 10,000, 11,000. Well, maybe not that. Maybe about eight, 9,000. So my question to you would be, do you prefer the all-seater stadium? Or do you prefer the stadiums that would have both seating, but also the options for standing terraces for the ultras for the major fans itself?
1: Um. So, uh, so I've been to Europe. I've never been to a game though. Um, and I've been to Providence Park uh, in Portland. Gorgeous stadium. Uh, I've seen the ultras. Also known as the... I am not
2: that extreme. Kind of
1: mates. I'm not that
0: extreme. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> um, I, I tell you what, Providence Park, uh, when they have the the Timbers Army in there, is great. Even when the Dynamo had the Dynamo Forever Orange Army uh, uh, down at uh, BBA Compass, even in, before that when they are at the University of Houston, uh, it's a great atmosphere. Um, and but let's not forget there's a lot of uh history when it comes to standing terraces you know we just talked about boca juniors and river plate both of those teams uh, correct me if i'm wrong both those teams do not have a very good history when it comes to uh stadiums uh there's a few games where a handful of fans have been trampled to death because of uh the stands and stuff like that um uh but just pure out of pure uh it, out of pure excitement and elation of being there, I have to go with this, the standing. Uh, yeah, it's, it's part the of thing the thing
2: also is that if you do have that sitting option, because in Seattle at Lumen Field, you know, that supporter section there is is, is has the seats. Well, you're standing the, standing the entire time. You know, those yeah. used for sitting, they're used to put your drinks on so you don't spill Dancing, thundering, and other sounders' goal. So I lean more towards that way, just safety-wise, because of things that have happened in the past. Maybe you know, call me a killjoy, buzzkill, whatever. But it's easier to stand in a seated <laughs> area than to, you know, have the safety issues that happen with those standing terraces, no matter how cool they are.
0: Good stuff. You see, i i just I, I i look at both and i see both points in there and they're valid valid arguments but so i i don't know though maybe it's maybe it's just because of the league that i watch more of and because i see it more and it's a little bit more better controlled than what other places have been in the past and stuff and that's in, and that's evolving and that evolves from what they saw everybody knows what happened in england with hillsborough that evolved everything around the world as far as safety measure goes but i would have to think that the league i'm watching in the bundesliga does things a little bit better than others and certainly if 28 29 000 fans for dortmund can still do standing terraces i would have to think something's going right but it's not just there either i mean i already mentioned union berlin Of a 15,000 seat arena, only 5,000 is seating. The rest of it is all standing terrace. And that was built specifically because the fans said, we want to stand. We don't want to sit. They're standing all the time. Those are some amazing fields. So I guess for me, I'll I'll lean towards the standing terraces. Because there are some places there that I want to go Mm -hmm. see. And I do want to go and experience. All right. All right. Good stuff. Makes sense. Well, now for the third and final question, and so now we go back to Mason. Mason, what do we have for a third question? So, for the night? you
2: are imagine you are a
0: youth player,
2: and you're start, and you get a chance to start your career. Do you start it in Mexico or the Ooh. United States? Because two Dang. very different mm. cultures, you know, they both have their yeah. advantages, both have their disadvantages. You know, one has more money, one has more of the culture behind it you know more exposure less exposure.
1: Kyle, oh, what do you think? Man, that's a good one. Mm. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Okay. <laughs> um off the top of my head, I would say Mexico. Um just uh, just th- this immediate answer would be Mexico, but if I think about it more and more, I would have to say the states because I would do my darndest to get to Europe. Now, I'm not saying that I can't do that as a Mexican national, or Mexican born player, or Mexican player. Uh, I'm saying that recently, in the last, what, four or five years, uh, more American players have been playing overseas. Um, So going off of that statistic alone, I would say uh, uh, being U.S., but I can certainly make the argument for as of culture and history and diversity uh being a Mexican national player or playing growing up and then going up going playing abroad if if it goes that way uh I can definitely make that argument um damn that's a good one.
0: <laughs> It, it, it is a good one, and there's many factors that go with it. Why I lean towards the states is premisely this. Recently, we've seen in many years the development academies that have been evolving around for the United States itself. You're seeing guys 15, 16 years old, literally being shipped off. I mean, Bayern Munich system. They were been asked recently, why do they, why do they bring these guys in for the United States, 15, 16 years old? So one that their FIFA. Eligible, uh, eligible wise by FIFA standards itself, but also to get them accustomed to get them ready for the stand for what they're going to see in Germany for potentially what they'll see in England. Why it's so difficult? Why don't we see more Mexican based players overseas? Well, because Mexicans love Liga MX in itself, they make it damn near hard as hard as it ever could be to transfer a player out. These leagues, these clubs that own these guys who are Mexican-based players, probably playing for the national team itself. They want godly amounts of money from a very young age itself from these clubs. It's not that these clubs aren't interested in them because they have been approaching these teams in Liga MX and who own them, and they want these players. But the problem is is that the asking fees or whatever it is are absolutely astronomically ridiculous to the point that the clubs over in Europe are saying, no, we're not going to pay that much for somebody who hasn't proved anything yet, not at 16, not at 17. We're gonna we'll give you this amount, and then these clubs say no, and that as a result, you see these players still play in Liga MX. But by the same token, though, it's enough for them. It's it's enough to get the spotlight and the nationality for the Mexico national team. That's why you see a lot of them based in. But then eventually they make their way into the states and are at the MLS stage. So that's why I say as far as exposure goes, if I want to go to Europe, I have a better chance. I'm going with the states. Yeah, those are
2: both. Great answers. And once again, I'm going to fall on the opposite side of both of you guys. I would pick Mexico because I want to play See, international. That was
1: my sports. that was my next. Because, I
2: mean, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, taking pot shots to the U.S., you know, being, you know, that's, the, that's where that's, I want them to win things. But if I play for Mexico, you grow up in that system. First off, I'm going to be kicking uh, yeah, a ball as yeah. soon as I can walk. You know, there Uh, there are no pay-to-play leagues. It's just, hey, we're going to play. So I'm going to be playing from a young age, and just like you said, Tyler, I'm going to eventually move to the United States in MLS, and then make that jump to Europe when I'm 24, 25, which some might say, you know, is smarter because you're now more older, more mature. You can now handle the bright lights of Europe, you know, coming, but you know, coming from Mexico and then go and hopping your way to Europe that way. You're right, there is no real jump from Mexico to Europe just for the exact reasons you said there, Tyler. But just that passion mm-hmm. behind it, you know, I would love to be in a Teca, you know, having those fans cheering for me versus them, you know, yeah, me out. And you know, yeah, that type
1: I, I of when you're talking like national, like national team, I think Mexico would be it would be definitely better because I, I just as a diehard soccer fan and and a and a, and a you know a uh, you know a, a Yankee as they call them, you know the the Yanks you know for, you know forever uh, forever a Yankee <laughs> whatever like you know and being part of the American Outlaws uh, supporters groups you know like it it seems like the American the U.S. fans besides like the diehard fans and the traditional fans. Are just seasonal fans in Mexico. You don't get that. It, it seems like it's the, you're 100% no, you a hundred percent all in fan, though. and and that's something that you just can't get here in the states. And that's just part of the culture, and I respect the hell out of that. uh um, right, So when you're talking about national national yeah. teams, I would absolutely play for Mexico, um, uh, Concacaf. Yeah, yeah, Mexico. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> well, like you said, it's one of those trade-offs. And that's another thing, you I love it know, oh, And I love that you bring that up too Because it's the same thing too as far as Your league of MX teams You just, you don't hop teams Over there, these te- these guys, whoever They are, supporters and stuff, they don't hop Teams, once you have a club or whatever that you support, support from a young age, that is Your club through thick and thin, you don't get to hop You don't get to have the chance, or you're Severely, severely Scrutinized for life and not just by your friends. Your family members will scrutinize you, too. So whether it's Cruz Azul or Club America or even even at in Guadalajara or Monterey, if you don't stick with that club from a young age, you're scrutinized Good for life. All right. So the final question. I guess it's me, uh, isn't it? I, I think I got the one last more. Last one for us. Um, yeah. <clears> okay. Yeah. You do have one more. All right. <laughs> <laughs> So
1: I'm sorry. In their prime. <laughs> this is another in their prime. Uh would you rather have uh man, I think I know the answer to this one for you guys, but I'm gonna ask it anyways. Would you rather have Super Save Tim Howard or Brianna Scurry?
0: Hmm. You wanna take this first, Mason? i <laughs>
2: you go, Tyler. Because cause to be honest with you, I don't uh, know what the second person is. To be
0: honest, well, well, I, I'll give you another one. Of things, um, I okay, give him another one on there on top of that. Since if he doesn't, since he doesn't okay. know um, uh, the other one. Oh man! Uh, again, I think I know the answer to this one.
1: Oh, would you rather have Thierry Henry or Alan Shearer?
0: I think, I think for me, Thierry Henry, I, I, I believe for me, uh, I, I just I, I know I I didn't get really much into kind of honestly, it's been it was him as I got later into high school and more into the US as far as following the US in high school itself and drawing my love into soccer more and more. But it was him with Arsenal that kind of draw drew me in just the way that he could play. And I guess kind of that demeanor sometimes because there have been moments that I don't like him. Absolutely, <laughs> especially for France, because uh, I know that he handled that ball against Ireland in 2010 in that qualifier, and he knows he did too, and the way that he tries to explain it is just astronomically stupid, but as a player itself, I mean, how do you, the way that he's able to finish, the way that he was his passing, and the way that he was able to find himself on the field, and just positioning himself yeah, here, i for me. Give me oh, on man. all
2: day long. Classic striker from that era. You know, probably one of the best to play the game, not just in this position, just overall. I it's got to go. I, I'm going Allen, and no, not because Thierry decided he wanted to play for Arsenal and any rivalry sort of there. Bias aside, it's definitely Allen here, just more pure out and out goal scorer.
1: What what is going on over there? Mm. <laughs> it, so, it sounds like someone wrestling know. a cat. In a I car. don't know. Like, was, uh, kept, I... Catching all the background. <laughs> I have no idea. Uh, okay.
0: Cat taking moving the on. background. Well, uh, but anyway. Uh,
1: you know what? To be honest, in, in both respects, Alan Scherer is one of the English greats. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but as a, a Thierry Henry for me, as a kid, watching the Invincibles and watching Henri play was just absolutely mesmerizing. Um, he he's the reason why I got into soccer. Uh, I used to wake up every Sunday morning or Saturday morning and watch their games and just praying that you know, praying that he wasn't hurt, you know, and that he was going to play, and that I would see him play. Uh, it's just I've actually seen him play when he played for Red Bulls. And he played uh, against Houston. Uh, so And that's one of the greatest uh, Mm. things I've ever seen. And and, uh, so for me, it's more about nostalgia rather than the player itself. Um, But either way, I would take uh, Henri. Do you think, does it hurt
2: Henri's, you know, his legacy with that stint at Red Bulls here in the States? Does that hurt his legacy at all?
1: I mean to be honest I would think I would say I would say no because it's still I I have to do, do some more research on the stats on it I would think that his, his stint at Monaco would hurt his uh reputation more.
2: Yeah. No no mm. no arguments here. Mm.
1: No, is just one That's of the fascinating You
2: yeah, no your, your There's no arguments. 2000s players in MLS Thierry um Frank Lampard came over. Talking about
1: Rooney. You
2: know, Rooney. Yeah, Rooney was a little bit later. I mean, granted, Rooney has an iconic MLS history play, though.
1: Oh, yeah, you know, of course.
2: Yeah. You know, with D.C. there. So, maybe – I don't know. It's, it's, maybe that's another question for another day. But some of these players coming over retired, you know, David Beckham even.
1: Yeah, Kaka. You
2: know, does, does it hurt their legacy with them coming over to MLS? when well,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, you're right. You're right. That's a good one. I like that one. That's a good one to think about. Well, I will end it then for the night for the last one for me. And we go with Darbies. We love Darbies and we know the common Darbies out there. But for some of those out there, I, I, I think this one might I may know the answers here real quick. But I went a little kind of kind of off the rail a little bit more. These may be uh, to some people, some more known derbies, but for some, they may not know these at all because these are kind of some unspoken ones. But these have a lot of heat under them too. So I would like to know: Would you either attend the Galatasaray mm-hmm. versus Fenerbahce, or would you oh. attend oh. Oh. Celtic Rangers? <laughs> oh, oh
1: my dear. goodness! Oh man! Okay, uh, me or you? Go, Yo, Kyle. Go ahead. You're 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 these in are this are one. You for go, context.
0: For well, no, no. For con- for context, Galatasaray Fenerbah- Fenerbahce is in the Turkish league, the Super Premier League in Turkey, and then uh, Celtic Rangers. For those who don't know, that is your top two teams in the Scottish Premiership. A lot of people wondering if maybe someday Celtic Rangers should you just should even just join the EPL altogether. <laughs> so, uh,
1: so, but Kyle, I, go I'll, ahead. I'll, I'll answer this. <laughs> uh, so I was a big uh, Ida Megidi, uh fan when I was a kid. I have a signature of him and a photo of him uh in my office uh in the man cave here uh so i loved watching him uh play uh and even when he played for uh, i think he played for sunderland for a little bit too um and i loved watching him. he had the McGeady turn which i absolutely loved and i for the life of me i mean how many times i watched videos on how to do it i could never figure it out uh it's like a, it's like a double croif or, or whatever uh I forgot what it's called, but it's a gnarly turn, and I can never figure out how he did it. And he would just smoke defenders, uh, on on uh, when he did this move. And it wasn't anything extravagant; it was just the way his body would move. It's like a step over, step over, and like, and then he turns and then goes the opposite direction. It just, it's just mesmerizing. However, if I want to be, if I want to fear for my life, in like the most primal way. I think I could go for either one. <laughs> However, I think I'm going to go Celtic Rangers. There there's I mean, I would have to do dig more research up on the uh Turkish uh derby. I know there's a lot of uh history there. Uh, the the derby with Celtic Rangers is more religious based. Uh I know that. Um but uh it, I I I just think, oh man. Damn you, Tyler. Um <laughs> so uh, i i i i'll go
2: i'll go going to go go be good rangers. ones yeah yeah no well, yeah both both clubs you equally feel fear for your life so that <laughs> kind of takes it off the off the plate there i guess it depends on what type of football you like to watch if you want a more kind of pretty free flowing game you're going to go celtic rangers but if you're just looking for a game in the mud galatasaray is the way to go and i'm probably going to go that way you know, I want a fear for my life, and I want an ugly game of soccer. I want to get my money's worth out of whatever I'm watching. Because you, you may – there may be a fight that breaks out on the field with players, and then that might tr- go up into the stands. Plus, <laughs> there's a lot of pyrotechnics involved in the Turkish Super League.
1: Yeah, Versus, yeah.
2: you know, in Celtic Rangers. It almost seems yes. – I mean, it's weird to call it derbies like those civilized, but it's very much like very proper. You know, that's what it seems like those 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 derbies in England and in they're, Scotland.
1: They're, they're, they're proper nowadays. Yeah. However, his, historically, they're nowhere near proper.
2: Yeah, that's fair. So, yes, yeah, so no, I'm going to go with Galatasaray with that, with that one.
0: The one thing's for certain with both of these Darbys is that whichever side that you go to, if you're a fan or whatever, you would not want to be caught wild or be caught in the wrong corner with the opposite colors because you're you're pretty much asking for trouble and you're you're writing your death wish with either one of these two i picked these two specifically because as i mentioned said these are under the radar derbies that don't get enough credit as they need to be because i've seen i've watched matches for both these of and these get absolutely bloody these get absolutely hellaciously just snarky The fans, the players, the managers themselves, it's everything that goes with these things. And a lot of times, more cases often than not, there's titles that are on the line when these two are playing against one another. And that's why it it makes it all the more, even more interesting. I would say for the sake of things, because I've seen Celtic Rangers more and more and I haven't really seen and have given the chance. And it's just maybe just the exotic feeling of Istanbul because Fenerbahce is on the other side of is on the other side. It's what's called the "quote unquote" Asia side of Istanbul, where Galatasaray is on the regular ah. side, of the Europe side of Istanbul. I guess for the exotic side of things, I would probably I, go with the Galatasaray Fenerbahce. So I get that. Yeah, for I could that take reason that. I, I
1: like that argument.
2: Yeah, you definitely get a unique experience. There's nothing so, like it in the world. Going to something like that.
0: Absolutely. No. But I will say one thing though I would probably <laughs> disclose myself being from the states if I were going to Turkey on that. So just just for my own life's sakes for that, so no no disrespect there. I've got plenty of friends who are Turkish friends for there. So, but let's move into stoppage time. I think for the final most there, twenty thirty seconds, my friends. So, Kyle, go ahead with stoppage time. Who you got? Which manager do you think? Is
1: on the chopping block guaranteed for Arsenal. Mikel Arteta is going to be on the chopping block. He, I don't, I'm not going to say that they're going to fire him. I definitely think that they are watching him. However, to be fair, can you really blame him? He was given what a a terrible, not a terrible team, but a makeshift team that was in, you know, shambles. He he mishandled so many different situations between Ozil. And David Luiz and uh, a few other players, uh, but he's a young player, and he, and he and he and he coached under one of the greatest of all time. I say give the guy another season.
2: That's, mm. that's fair. You know, my biggest thing is you got to give players a chance to to succeed. So many times it seems like these these players have big price tags next to their name, and they're expected to come in and be world beaters. You know, let's give these guys a little bit of chance to adapt. You know, this is a new situation with COVID. And players, whether or not not you like your club brought them in, they need a chance to succeed before we classify them as failures. I know that's Rich coming from a Chelsea guy who likes to spend money on big players and then sell them a couple years later because they didn't give me 30 goals a season. Oh, you don't (laughs) say. We call this self-reflection you know we're trying to be a little bit better about this you know these guys we you know teams bring in give them a chance give them a couple years i mean you know and maybe they do maybe they do good maybe they don't do good because you know if cuz chelsea is also very known for throwing the baby out with the bathwater missing out on generational talents like kevin
0: de bruyne When are we going to see consistency through the range of referees? I'm getting, it's getting one week after another that I don't understand what's going to be called offside and what's not going to be called offside. I would, I, I make arguments each week. One officiating crew will look at something, an arm is literally extended out, and that's an offside call. Then we go into another game. I bring in point last week, West Brom Chelsea. There was a fifth goal that was scored by West Brom that was classified as onside. But the arm looked like it was in an offside position, arm stretched out, but it was still classified as onside. I'm still waiting for the day that the EPL will find a way, both video and on-field crew, will find a way to be a little bit more consistent so that fans are not questioning not just the bar system itself, but officials as a whole as far as the consistency goes. Because it seems to me that there are certain crews that it just does not matter. They're going to do what they want, and that's not fair to the EPL. And certainly, that has to be answered by the F.A. at some point down the road. Absolutely. I, I agree. <laughs> Jeez. I think that's about all that we can do too much of right now. So, well, like we mentioned there, guys, again, later on down the road, we're going to start kind of doing some things here. We'll kind of give a recap and stuff over the weekend and things to look for. And then during the midweek, we're going to have mid. We'll have a special. We'll have a dedicated episode on a certain particular subject because – We want to kind of do things and mix it up a little bit there. We feel that it's easy to talk about things over the weekend and stuff, but we also want to talk about things that are off the subject. So these subjects that were brought up tonight in in brief forms, stadiums, no fans, fans in the stands, history behind stadiums being built, and all these other things in hand, we have a whole plethora of lists that we're going to start Google calendaring down for ourselves of the three of us that we'll get down. So Soccer Central News on Facebook.com. You can follow us there. Give us a follow we will let you in. I also make the mention that there will be some social media changes coming because a new name has been agreed upon. We're not going to know we're not going to tell you yet what it is, but a new name has been agreed upon and we are making a name change soon. And we will be exploring other social media sites here pretty soon soon as well. So we will be ever expanding our horizon because We're trying to take this thing to the next level as best as we can. Uh, Myself, Kyle, and Mason want to take this on the next level, and we hope you're along for the ride. So, Kyle, thank you for tonight. Mason, thank you for joining us late, but it's always good to have all three of us here. And, again, a very happy Easter to everybody out there tonight, too, as well. So, once again, Facebook.com, Soccer Central News. So, for Kyle D'Antoni, for Mason Benson, And for myself, Mr. Tyler Bates, we say thank you guys. Very happy Easter. Have fun. Remember, Champions League, UEFA, Champions League, and Europa League is in play. But have fun soccer watching and be safe out there. Everybody take care.